गुरुदेवाय देवे मतृक्ष मंगल मंगल भक्ता वृंदेव्यो सर्वालोकाय मंगल ओं स्थापकाय धर्म सेवधर्मस्वरूपिणे अवतारवरिष्ठा रामकृष्णाय मंगल ओं सदाशिव सरंभम शंकरचार्य मध्यम अश्मरक्षर प्रायत वंदे गुरु परंपरम ओं गुरुब्रह्मा गुरु विष्णु गुरुदेव महेश्वर गुरुदेव परम ब्राह्मण तस्म श्री गुरुवीरम श्री गणेश शारदगुरभ्यो नम हरिओं तो कंटिन्यूइंग आर रीडिंग्स फ्रॉम द भक्ति योग ऑफ स्वामी विवेकानंद एम गुड स्विच आई बिन रीडिंग फ्रॉम निकलानंदज काइंड ऑफ एडिटिंग बट ही ओकेजनली लीव्स ही लीव्स टू मच आउट इन देयर एंड इट्स So I want I don't want to miss anything there's some ideas and he changes a few things. So right I mean it's cl- it's the purpose of editing is to clarify. Right? But sometimes you clarify and then you lose when you simplify something you lose something. So I read from the uh the little tiny book version that some of you have. We're on page those are and you're following along on page 83. Bhakti yogas yoga of love and devotion. <coughs> The last chapter we read the forms of love manifestation what he's beginning to what Samaji is doing he's describing he's describing actually sometime back we forget because we've been reading it a little bit at a time with a lot of discussion with lots of breaks right so it's hard to see this is probably one talk or a couple two or three talks that have been edited and then split up this way so the topic that he brought up First, he talked about the devo- general topics about devotion, about symbolism, about worship of idols and symbols and images, about Ishwara, the, the doctrine of Ishwara, the importance of Guru and the avatar, all these kind of general stuff about bhakti, and then he, then he, then, but as a precursor, and then to what to para bhakti. So actually, what he's been talking about is para bhakti, the supreme devotion. Right? So just continuing discussion on para bhakti and and the stages to get to para bhakti. and the effects of parabhakti and uh, uh sri ramakrishna also talked about parabhakti he described the uh generally our uh, our bhakti is in the in the in called guna bhakti where it's it's in still it's materially conditioned through either sattvic rajasic tamasic and sattvic bhakti is this is a goal i mean it's not the goal actually it's a goal and uh, in the devi gita the divine mother herself says actually rajasic bhakti tamasic bhakti and sattvic bhakti will not get you realization right only para bhakti get realization get you realization but sattvic uh, uh rajasic bhakti and tamasic bhakti can't get you para bhakti sattvic bhakti does so we can begin to try to develop those we really discussed I'm not going to redo that class we discussed samaji uh, it's in the devi bhagavatam and and sri ramakrishna describes it quite a bit bhakti in the uh, in the different modes so sattvic bhakti is 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 a uh, is is one of the ideals but sattvic bhakti should lead ideally it, it can lead to para bhakti and what are those qualities of para bhakti and so samaji has been developing the stages the, the the experiences the realizations the effects of 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 para bhakti <clears throat> another name for para bhakti is raghunuka bhakti uh, samaji himself will use this term a little later and that's also in in the bhakti tradition there we call it uh, um, raghunuka bhakti means it's uh, to explain it just it was full passionate uh, uh attachment 
beyond any consideration. And, and until then, we do what's called Vaidhi Bhakti or Sadhana Bhakti. Vaidhi Bhakti or Sadhana Bhakti is devotion. We're doing devotional practices out of devotion. We have devotion, right? And, and because of that, we have devotion. We're engaged in devotional exercises like chanting, study, like we're doing gathering, satsang, puja, kirtan, uh, 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 thinking of God, remembering God, these practices we're doing. But we do them as practices. They're expressing our, 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 as our devotion begins to uh, uh, blossom, we begin to have an attraction towards spiritual things and a desire for God. And that leads us to devotional practices. But real devotion, Swamiji says, you don't need to do any practices. You, you cannot not think of God. We're doing practices to remember God. Right? But in, to, to Sapada Bhakti, it's impossible to forget God. Swami Chaitanya sometimes jokes about his time in the, in the Himalayas when he was in Mayavati. He says, we, we're, we're always struggling to try to remember God. But in the Himalayas, it's hard. It's, you have to struggle to forget God. The atmosphere is so uplifting. You know, that's a funny type of thing. But actually, in, in the Padabhakti state, I mean, you, it's, that's one which he's mentioned. You cannot not think of God. I think in the last section, he used this term. What was it? Um, what was that word? Tvam? Uh, Tvamkara or something? What was that term he used? Thusness or your, your, yourness? What was that? Hisness. What was the word? What was the, the twam, twamtwa, or twamtwa or something? I don't have the that underlined. I'm just gonna find out. Where everything, where you become, when you become so obsessed with God and, and love of God becomes so overwhelming, you cannot ever, you cannot not but see God, or you cannot see something that's not God's, right? Like in the, in the we we hinted a little bit this first verse of the of the Ishupanishad. That can be translated two very different ways, right? And uh, uh, and tadiyata. Hmm? Tadiyata. Tadiyata means yourness or hisness. It can be like this, right? And so this yourness and hisness are 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 or uh, 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 uniness. You can almost by by extension could be like so. In the Ishupanishad, it says one verse could say you could it could say that cover everything with God, Ishvara. Right. So actually everything you see, just cover it with, I mean, see only God. Don't see anything, just see God. If you cover something, you can't see anything. You see only what you covered it with. So you see only, because that's actually the truth, right? That's one practice or some realization. Another translation can be, uh, realize that everything is God's. Right, so that, and so that also changes things. That's another legitimate way of translating, and two different schools of thought translate that same verse differently, uh, the same idea. Uh, uh, um, so seeing everything as God's means like all of a sudden you see, right, one thing you can say, it's like uh, from a little bit, like to cover everything with God, we can try to see this desk is not, there's no desk here, this is God. Either this is God directly in which there's no Maya, I mean, we know that we're only seeing Brahman, the name and form don't exist, so it's only Brahman. Or this is the manifestation of God, this is God's made manifest and tangible, so we're seeing this, there's no table, there's only God, looking like a table. Or you can think, this is God's. Right, God's the possessor of everything. He, he's a, he's the Lord of nature, or she's the Lord of nature. She's become everything. All everything is 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 is, is belongs, uh, belongs to God. And so either way, with any of the things, you don't see a normal table. Everybody else sees a table. And what do they see in the table? How can I use it? Right? How does it relate to me? Right? Uh, how does this benefit me? How can I control it? How can I possess it? Right? Uh, 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 how can I steal it from somebody else? Make sure how can I protect it from somebody else taking it from me? Right? Uh, th- these are all ways of looking at something that, that's different than tadiyata. 
that thing. This is no, this is God's. Therefore, it's not mine, right? And therefore, you treat things very differently then. Then, if and if you're using things that aren't yours, you use things very differently. Of course, it's a very big. This could change political consciousness. It could change environmental and ecological consciousness. When you see everything belongs to God, you treat things differently. But it's just not just a philosophical point. Everything belongs to God. But when we actually see this as a stage of sadhana, right? That it becomes you, be, you can't help see you, you. The world changes, right? Everybody is not just oh we 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 read in the scriptures and we think it's a great idea if we were all we found universal brotherhood and sisterhood and saw everybody equally or, or treated everybody selflessly. That's true. That be that's all. It says so in the scriptures, and it's a good practice to try to do. And it'd be awesome if we could do that. But this Swamiji is good. I'm, I'm describing before he even read it. <laughs> Should be reading it. Read it and then describe it. But it's a good. <laughs> that's what I do. I'm ahead of myself. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, you, the most authentic way to see everything, see everybody selflessly, and to see everybody spiritually, and uh, or this idea Swamiji uses the terms of his time, the brotherhood of man and the universe. You know this universal. Universal love, these terms that we're, we still use these terms, we use them a little differently now, um, is when you see only God, or you see only gods, right? And we can practice it, but when you actually see it, then, then you see everything related to Him, or everybody, everything as Him, or you don't see everybody, you only see Him, that's one version, or you see everything as His manifestation, He's taken all these forms, or minimally, everything is His. And therefore, everything becomes dear. And what we read last, the, the stages that we were reading last week, is that, that one of the things that you begin to, to uh, 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 like, like a holy, why is a holy, Samaji asked, why is a holy place holy? Why is a holy person holy? Why do we give them such respect? But we think they belong, this is, oh, that person, this place, uh, God was here, or God is here. Or like a relic we have, like, you know, we have a, you know, the, like, you, know you can go to Benares and go to, to see Sri Ramakrishna's shoes. Right, you know, it's like who cares? shoes are dirty things. Why anybody cares about shoes? But no, these are so right because we believe they're his. Right, so those shoes are his. We believe. I mean, even historically, it's not fully known if they're actually his shoes. Right, they, a family claims they're his shoes. Right, and 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 that he stayed there. There's no uh, historical proof of that, but there's a family tradition that he stayed there and his shoes are there. And uh, and you think, oh my God, these are his shoes, right? But, but and then you think, oh, he 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 slept on this bed, right? And you, and you think, oh, and then he and he walked on these steps and he walked down the street, right? So it's like, a, so when if you love Sri Ramakrishna, everything attached to him, connected to him, everything that's his, becomes significant and holy and re- worthy of respect and changes your whole mental attitude. You're so careful, right? But that's also true of everything. When you if you expand it to a point where it's not just Sri Ramakrishna, but the one who embodied himself as Sri Ramakrishna, whom Sri Ramakrishna expands, uh, or uh, to whom Sri or who, uh, everything is his. Every and therefore you treat everything so carefully. And you see certain saints. And one of the one of the one of the evidences, one of the symptoms of a, of, a, of a good saint. Many symptoms. One symptom could be they don't care about anything. <laughs> Other thing, other symptom, they care about everything so carefully, right? So it said, like Swami Shivananda from Rishikesh, Swami Chidananda was saying, he says, we saw, Swami Shivananda was big, he was like two, three hundred pounds almost at the end, at one point of his life. And big south end, his big hand, the big, you know, he was a tall man, big, steady type of thing. He said, we've never seen him knock something over. We've never seen him rip a piece of paper by accident. We've never seen him 
misplaced his glasses. Everything was done so consciously because everything is his. Either it's him or it's his. Right? So carefully. So, I mean, Chidananda is a great example of that. Also, you see him. You know, there, there, it becomes almost cliche. You know, we saw one Buddhist nun very many years ago. You know, she gave a, a Zen monk, gave a, a Zen nun, very wonderful. The, we called her the Venerable Zen Lady. So we didn't know, we couldn't remember her name. For years we quoted her as Venerable Zen Lady, American Lady. Uh, um, gave a talk at the Vedanta Society at, a, at the Ulima retreat. And, and then, you know, she, she came up very gracefully as somebody who practices that type of meditation, type of mindfulness meditation. And first she, she poured herself a glass of water before her, and she put on the glass and says, okay, that is, I've delivered my sermon. <laughs> And everybody, you know, everybody, it's a little bit cliche, all oh, the Buddhist, Buddhist not coming, serving a cup of tea is, but it, but it is true. I mean, it is beautiful to see somebody like that pour a cup of tea, right? They see the world differently. So Swami is, anyway, this is, a, this is what Swami will begin to speak along these lines. I'll jump in. How can we love the Vyasti, the particular, without first loving the Samasti, the universal? So that's his, the first, these are two, his two philosophical points, two words we should learn, vyasti and samasti. Uh, samasti, like the sama means same or all, has, we get the word same from that same. And sarva, sarvabhut, yadevi, sarvabhut, that which is everywhere, or that which is all together, or all pervading, or behind everything, we get this type of uh, sama darshana, uh, says in the Gita, that a pundit sees everything, Equally, or sees that which is the same everywhere. Uh, that hmm? we get the word same. You know, the word same. So sam. So that sam samashti is that. So here it means like the universal principle, the universal uh, uh, principle, and vyasti here it means is a particular manifestation of it. And so we. And so so Swamiji is saying, how can you love the vyasti, the particular, without first loving the samasti? So this is a little counter, because usually we, we don't love the samasti, we love the vyasti. So this is one of the symptoms, actually. Swamiji said, bhakti is only for ishvara, not for things of the world, and not for people. Right? Though we use the language, you can be devoted and have devotion to a political cause, or to a person, or to our family, or to our country, or to an ideology, or to religion, an identity, all kinds of things you can be devoted to and have love for, but that love is not called bhakti. Right? And this is one of the, one of the, one of the distinctions, right? Because we're loving a particular, independent of the, of the, of, of the, the universal. So I love a particular person. It's not, it's, it's not wrong to love a particular person. That's not the, the point. But it's not liberating. That's the problem. Right? You can see, we can, we can we look at our things. It's our, we, our love for a particular person, although wonderful and part of the joys and energies and, and manifestation of the human mind and the human life, right? it's also where we get the most tangled. <laughs> As we can see, not naturally, it's not a liberating, uh, not necessarily, we have to be careful because it can be expanded and, and be made universal. But we love, so we love, you know, and so we quoted last time the joke in our family, you know, it's like, it's, I love humanity, but it's people I hate or something like this, you know, so we can't, it's people I can't stand. So, you, so, so we love, if we love a person, so, but actually what happens, we, we, we love a person, or we, and, 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 but, but still why, in, in what is it in the, uh, what Upanishad, where Maitre, uh, 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 it is not for the sake of the husband, but the husband is dear for the sake of the self. Thank you. Upanishad. Right. Uh, he says, it is not for the sake of the wife, that the wife is dear for the sake of the self. It's not for the sake of 
of the children, that the children are dear for the sake of the self. It's not for the sake of anything is dear, but only for the sake of the self. So actually, what we're, even when we love a particular, what we're loving actually is a universal. Right? But we don't know it. That's why she, he was being explained to her, because she didn't know it. She was trying to take somebody who had natural affection for her husband, for her children, for, for, not, not for her husband, who was about to leave. Right? It was a very big statement. You know? And he said, but actually, that your natural love you have for all these things, actually, what you love in them is the self. And besides like a morbid, a morbid psychological twist, right? Most people, when you love a person, what is it? You love, you love, you know, you love a person and when the person dies, what happens? Right? The body is, is burnt or, or buried. You know, it's not, the, it's not even the body that we love. The person, even the person, the person, of course, it's the person, the person's personality, but, but there's something even within the, per- even the personality is not there anymore when a person dies. Right, we don't have any contact with them for all for all intended purposes. Maybe it survives in a different. That we have beliefs about that, faith faith ideas about what happens at death and like that. But our experience of the person, the person's gone. The personality, everything about them is gone. Yet we still love them, right? And and so what is it that we love? We don't love a dead body. We love a living a living being. But so within the living being, there is that also that the samasti. There is some reflection or a spark. Or manifestation of the of, of the universal, even the particular. But the problem is that when living the particular, we get caught, right? And so uh, we were discussing reading this this morning, this afternoon, over our coffee. We were discussing the example that uh, Shankaracharya gives of uh, uh, in his commentary on 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 Vedanta Sutra, Brahma Sutra, the classic example of a gold gold jewelry, right? So like. So uh, uh, he says that uh, to see, to see, to know gold, the, the universal, you know all the manifestations of gold, all the particular manifestations of gold, like a, a ring or a necklace, or a crown, you know, all the different things, your earrings, like this, right? But when, but so to, to say, oh, I know, oh, I know, I'm extra, I know all about this ring, right? But it doesn't mean I know all about gold, right? But the thing about this ring, what makes this ring special? It's gold. Right, so even the the love of the particular really is a love of the of the of, of, of the of the universal. What you love in a ring, of course, it's it. There's some beauty and aesthetic design like that. That's particular manifestation, but but what gives it value is that it's gold. So even even the love of particular is really we're loving the principle, right? But a sage sees the principle. So 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 uh, he he says that uh, to a jewel to a goldsmith. He doesn't see, of course, a goldsmith is expert at making beautiful things and, and, and fixing beautiful things, but they're expert at gold. And so they look around the room, they look at her, uh, your earrings gold, and your glasses gold, your necklace gold, it's my bring gold, right? They see gold, they, they can see gold everywhere, right? And all the particulars they see the universal, because they're trained to notice universal. I, I may know my ring, but then, but not, doesn't necessarily, I, and I look around, nobody has my ring. Right, nobody like me. Right, no, been, I, I'm very cool, and I am exactly very cool. It's a traditional puja ring. <laughs> Everybody should be jealous of, of, of the of the South Indian pavitra ring. Everybody should get one. Until then, you should look at me with envy and greed. <laughs> cool, and 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 hound Adi to get you one. He's the only one who knows how to find them. <laughs> traditional pavitra puja rings. Uh, uh, uh. But it, but uh, uh, but but so I look around. No, oh, nobody. Ha- but actually, what happened? Uh, but actually, everybody has the equivalent, right? So many people here are wearing gold jewelry, 
Right. So, 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 because I know the particular doesn't mean, although it's this universal that I love in the particular, right? It doesn't mean I love the universal when I know the particular. If I know the particular, I mean, if I know the universal, then I see it in all, in, in all its particular forms, right? Universal, particular, but Swamiji starts this way, so it's a technical discussion. How can we love the Vyasti, the particular, without first loving the Samasti, the universal? God is Samasti. The generalized and abstract universal whole. To what we mean by God is the, the, the absolute, the universal being, the source of everything, the one who gives birth to everything, the substratum of everything, the reality behind everything. He's he, she, it is is the universal samasti. So by 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 God we mean samasti, the universal. God is a samasti, the generalized and abstract universal whole, and the universe that we see is the vyasti, the, particular, the particularized thing. Now, usually we think particular means a particular person, but even the universe itself. Actually, we think, oh, the un- you know, we, a person is, you know, the, the universe is the universal. The universe is also infinitesimally small, right? If you consider in, in the, 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 the Kind of the Hindu view of the world, this universe is nothing, is a speck. There's actually, when the Lai Long glance of the Divine Mother, she creates uh, 30, 33 trillion universes. Right? You know, one tiny insignificant one in the corner is our universe. Right? And, and so, so, even, so even like this is the particular, the universe is the universe. No, the universe is also particular. It's one, one manifestation of that infinite, absolute being. So, so not just so everything we see is a particular particularized manifestation of that universal principle. To love the whole universe is possible. So we want to love the we want to love God. We want to love everything, everyone. We think that's a good thing, right? How is it possible to love? To love the whole universe is possible only by way of loving the samasti, the universal, which is, as it were, the only unity in which can be found millions and millions of smaller unities. The philosophers of India do not stop with the particulars at the particulars. They cast a hurried glance at the particulars and immediately start to find generalized forms which will include all the particulars. The search after the universal is the one search of Indian philosophy and religion. The jnani, then so he, he mentions in a very brief, simplified form, jnani, bhakti, and yoga, right? So this is true of all, of, all, of all, of science, of religion, of philosophy, as well as the different yogas, looking for the universal, not the particular. The jnani aimed at the wholeness of things, at the one absolute and generalized being, knowing which he knows everything. If you know gold, you know all objects of gold. Right? If you know water, you know all things made of water. If you know, if you know earth, you know all things, all pots made of earth. This is the idea, Shankaracharya says. Right? So you know Brahman, you know, you, know, you know everything that he created or that he manifested of, or that's superimposed on him, according to the three or four main schools. Right? Uh, the Bhakta wishes to realize that one generalized abstract person, here we call Ishwara or, or Purusha, in loving whom he loves the whole universe. The jnani wants to know the one, the one absolute truth, knowing which you know everything. The bhakti wants to know loving, the person loving whom you love the whole universe. 
The yogi wishes to have possession of the one generalized form of power by controlling which he controls this whole universe. The Indian mind throughout its history has been directed to this kind of singular search after the universal in everything, in science, in psychology, in love, in philosophy. So the conclusion to which the bhakta comes is that if you go on merely loving one person after another, you may go on loving them so for an infinite length of time without being in the least able to love the whole, the world as a whole. So by loving, even if you love, loving one person is good, loving two person is maybe twice as good, maybe, (laughs) depends, right? Loving three, but you keep expanding, everybody you meet, you try to encourage like that, but you can go on forever and never reach the whole and everything, right? So even by that process, it's not possible to love the universal, right? But if you love the universal, automatically, Amit is making the argument, you love everyone, theoretically. When at last the central idea is, however, however, arrived at, that the sum total of all love is God, and the sum total of all aspirations of all the souls in the universe, whether they be free, bound, or struggling towards liberation, is God, then alone it becomes possible for anyone to put forth universal love. Sum total of all loves is God, and the subtotal of all aspirations. Every everyone aspiring is he gives the three categories of free beings, liberated beings, those struggling for liberation, and bound beings. All of them only want this absolute. Then alone it becomes possible for anyone to put forth this fourth universal love. God is Samasti, and this visible universe is God differentiated and made manifest. If we love the sum total, we love everything. Loving the world and doing it good will all come easily then. We have to obtain this power only by loving God first. Otherwise, it is no joke to do good to the world. We try to do, actually we, we, we try to do good to the world, but how to, even Ramakrishna sometime, because in religion, that's a, it's become a standard that the proof of religion is you're doing good to the world. Right, you know that's not. Tom Vivekananda says that, that that's a. I mean, in the in Bhakti Yoga, he also created. He, of course, he spent his life trying to do good to the world, right? Probably because he was trying to serve the samasti, the universal being behind everything. That was his philosophy, right? But he said that to reduce religion to just doing good, right? Because sorry, it's impossible, right? And it, it's putting it's putting the world before God, right? That there's a danger in that, or, or an individual before the universal, which is a danger in that. And, if we, and we define religion as doing good. He, he critiqued the pro- Protestant uh, moralities based upon this, right? And in India, also, and, and so during his own time, people, uh, some people come to Sri Ramakrishna and say, "Oh, please, please bless me that I can, I can, uh, uh, I can build hospitals and wells." Right? He says, Sri Ramakrishna was not against people doing good and building hospitals. I mean, even the Ramakrishna Mission has the best hospitals, right? Very famous hospitals, schools, wells, roads. All the water purification plants. I mean, uh, seed seed banks and all the, you know they're doing these things also. But he says, if God were to appear in front of you, would you ask him for a hospital, right? Or you ask for unit, uh, pure love and devotion, experience and ecstatic union with him, right? You know, it's like. Uh, but 
so the way, the only, the real way to, to 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 really do good and to have the power and the proper vision of that is by loving God first, then the world, as His manifestation, gets benefit, and that we become we truly have an equal equal vision and loving vision of everything, to serve everything as God or as God's. But we say everything is God's and everything is God, and that's good. It's better than saying everything is mine. The other option, I mean, as some 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 really everything is the devil's, we should reject it and, and punish it as all we can. That that's that's foolish. But worse, there's another type of devil. It's called body consciousness. Swamiji uses this term. That's the real devil is body. And so everything is mine. It relates to my body, right? So that's so thinking everything is God and everything is or or God's. Even that intellectual idea has benefit, right? So it's correcting ourselves like that. But we don't really know, we say these words, but they don't have any real. Uh, 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 uh. In, in the Shashashtakam, Lord Chaitanya says, Though I say these words with my lips, if I know echo in my heart. We say them, but we don't know them. Until we know them, then these statements. And the reason we've even heard such statements is because those who've had love of God, Parabhakti, they've made these statements. And we hear about them, we say, Oh, I want to, be, I want to have their vision. You look at a saint like, Oh, if only I could see the world the way they see the world. Right? Well, we have to, we can, right? But it requires practicing what they practiced and developing that type of love. God first. Swami Shivananda also and his little his three hundred books of simple, powerful, small statements. Right? One of which is God first, world next, self last. Right, that was his philosophy. He says and the problem is now we're we're in a selfish where our new religion is selfishness. Or you see, even a lot of, even you turn on the TV and look at preachers on TV, or in the self-help, the New Age movement, it's all about religion is how do I succeed, how do I, be, how I become successful, how do I get what I want and manifest my dreams. Right, you know, so that, that's an interesting, well, all those things are fine. I hope people are happy, healthy, successful, and manifest your dreams. That's my blessing to you, all of you. I, I wish you all, all success, right, naturally, right. But that's not the same as religion, right. And, we, and, and so, so me first, right, self first. Right, then the world, because we have to satisfy them. We can't be, can't be, and the world's also, you know, and God, we don't know what that is, right? Really, God's been taken out of it. So, Swami Shivananda said, God first, world next, self last. It's a good, it's a, it's, it's a good mantra to remember. It's the exact opposite of everything, everything that we know, we think, and everything we're being told, screamed, taught. It's the exact opposite of everything. Hmm? Sold. Sold, you know, that's why, you know. <clears throat> So, uh, uh, if we love the sum total, we love everything. Loving the world and doing it good will all come easily then. We have to obtain the power only by loving God first. Otherwise, it is no joke to do good to the world. Then Samiji quotes, Everything is His and He is my lover. I am, I am love. I love Him, says the Bhakta. Everything is His, He is my lover, I love Him. I love him, he loves me, and everything is his. Right? That's the that's the the, the vritti, the thought, the continuous thought of a lover. In this way, everything becomes sacred to the bhakta, because all are his. The thing is that cover everything with God or realize everything belongs to God. Yeah. So everything so every every everything and everybody has to be treated so with worship. Actually, you the famous. This is a, everybody here knows probably, but it's worth repeating. When um, 
uh, Sri Ramakrishna was quoting Jiva Goswami or Rupa Goswami, forgive me, it's one of those two, uh, a famous line that summarized, I shall summarize Vaishnava Dharma, Bhakti Yoga, right? And you are, he says that um, uh, to live in a holy place, right? To chant God's name and to show, and show compassion to uh, jivas. Like, uh, um, uh, anyway, to, and show compassion to, to, to the fallen jivas, right? So Sri Ramakrishna was quoting this. It's important to remember, we live in a, live in a holy place. Remember, remember uh, uh, live in a holy place, chant God's name and, and show compassion to jivas. And then Sri Ramakrishna got almost had a violent shock. He says, "What? Not criticizing Chaitanya's disciples, but he had a, a deep, from his own realization, a big, a big struggle." Right? He says, "What? Compassion? Daya? Daya for fallen souls? Who am I to show compassion to them? Compassion is somebody you, sh- you show to somebody who's who's lower than you. You 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 give mercy to somebody who's below you." Right? He says, "These are all God." Or gods minimally, but maybe God Himself, right? We should serve them, right? Where serving is not in, not out of out of uh, 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 of uh, compassion, but out of worship, because they're God, right? And 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 Swami Vivekananda took this line from this conversation, and Swamiji was in a certain sense, he was he took the samasti of Sri Ramakrishna and particularized it and made it <laughs> made it made Vyasi and, and showed how to uh, an aspect of how to live it. He thought, no, this what this means is that 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 the service we call it Didra Narayana Narayana, Narayana it's Narayana Seva or Jiva uh, uh, Shiva is Jiva or or the worship of of, of 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 the suffer when you worship when you serve somebody who's suffering, somebody who's poor, somebody who's hungry, somebody who's ignorant, and you give them education, food, water, help, shelter, training, whatever the thing is, right? We're not doing it out of compassion, but out of worship. Because that, and, and we should not think, you know, feel, oh, they should thank me. I'm being so compassionate towards them. We should thank them because they allow us to worship, because the Lord we worship has come in these forms. And, and, and it like, like uh, in, in the, in the, in the, um, in the uh, uh, Uddhava Gita, the Bhagavatam, Krishna is describing the different forms of God and how they're worshipped. Like, for instance, a fi- and God can be worshipped in the fire. How is he worshipped? With copious amounts of ghee. God can be worshipped in a yantra as they worship by by noticing and placing all the deities in their proper angle. God, uh, God can be worshipped in an image. How is they worship by decoration of flowers and and like this. God can be worshipped in 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 a holy man. How by putting food into their mouth. God can be worshipped in a river by pouring water into the river. God can be worshipped by the sun by in the in the orb of the sun by chanting Gayatri mantra. Each form of, of of God has a way that we worship. So God, so God comes in. A, in the form of a poor person, how is he, or a hungry person, how is he, how is he worshipped? By food. If it's part of an ignorant person, by education. A sick person, by medicine or treatment. It, whatever the situation is, it's these are, by extension, extending that principle, right, into Swami and Sri Ramakrishna's new, new definition. Of, 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 this is also a type of worship. Either it's our Lord, or he or she's our Lord's. Right, and therefore, either way, we have to treat with so much respect, and and and, and we, or we naturally, spontaneously treat with so much respect and love. In this way, everything becomes sacred to the bhakta, because all things are his. All are his children, his body, his manifestation. So, this is either they're his, or they're literally they're his, they're him. His manifestations are also part of him, right. How then can we hurt anyone? 
How then may we not love anyone? With the love of God will come, as a sure effect, the love of everyone in the universe. So in, in uh, 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 I've quoted this before. It was a very big thing I used to meditate a lot about in, in high school. Um, John 2 or something like that. It says that, uh, that anyone who says that I love God, but he hates, her, but he hates his brother, right? that person is a liar. Because this is a symptom of love of God is loving everyone. Because you love the if you love the universal, you love like I love gold. What about that? Oh, I hate that. Like that stupid. You know, it's not as cool as my pepita ring. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's like it's, it, that makes. I mean, you don't. You know, you have no idea if you say I love all gold and you hate all these particular or even one manifestation of gold. It means either you you don't actually love gold or you don't know what, or you don't know what gold is. You're saying gold, 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 but you have no idea. You don't even in front of you. You don't see it. You don't notice it. And so somebody makes such a statement. Sri Ramakrishna gave another example. It's like saying, oh, yes, in, in such and such uh, village, I saw, I, I, I saw a cow. I saw, uh, there were many horses in the cow shed. Right? And as so Sri Ramakrishna says, actually, people don't put horses in cow sheds. Right? So the person making that statement, you, they probably don't know what a, a cow shed is or a horse. They don't know the difference between a horse or a cow, and they don't know what a cow shed is. Right? So those statements seem, on their face value, foolish. Right? So that same statement, the one who says, I love God and hate my brother or hate my neighbor, whatever the, the term is for the other, so that person is a liar. Right? Strong words. How then, how, how then may we not love any, anyone? With the love of God will come as a sure effect, the love of everyone in the universe. The nearer we approach God, the more we, begin, we do, the more do we begin to see that all things are in Him. When the soul succeeds in appropriating the bliss of this supreme love, it also be begins to see him in everything. When the bliss of bhakti really comes, one of the symptoms of that is that you begin to see that same reality everywhere. Our hearts will thus become an eternal fountain of love. And when we reach even higher states of this love, all the little differences between the things of the world are entirely lost. Man is seen no more as man, but only as God. The animal is seen no more as animal, but as God. Even the tiger is no more a tiger, but a manifestation of God. Thus, in this intense state of bhakti, worship is offered to everyone, to every life, to every being. So we even have hints of that in the Chandiyadevi Sarvabhuteshu. We bow again and again and again to, to that principle, that Devi, in all these particulars, in the form of this, in the form of that, in the form of this, in the form of that, right? Yadavi Sarva Bhuteshu, that God exists in all beings, right? I bow, I bow, I bow, I bow, that's the symptom. Of course, we pray these trying to evoke that, but these are the symptoms of, 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 of uh, Prem Bhakti or, or um, Parabhakti. Then Swamiji quotes in Sanskrit. And we were looking. This is the one you didn't find the, the source of. We don't get the. We haven't found the source. Knowing that, knowing that Hari, the Lord is in every being, the wise have thus to manifest unswerving love towards all beings. Knowing that Hari is in all beings, God's in all beings, the wise manifest love for all beings. So the same thing. He's the one who exists in all beings. Therefore, we love all beings naturally. The one and so one one of the things we could say. 
is the one we love. Just think about this simple statement. You know, the one we love exists in, in all beings. Right? That's a real simple. That not even if we don't realize it, even that statement is a very powerful effect. How you treat people. If you remember, the one we love exists there. Right? You know. So and so. I mean, this was a big thing. People would ask me like, "Why are you vegetarian?" And things like that. Says, that was my answer. The one I love exists in all beings. Right, including so I don't want to cause harm. I don't want you know. It's like I treat things. I'm trying to. I can't say I have that realization. We're trying to, or the, whatever the, the situation is. As a result of this kind of intense, all-absorbing love, comes a feeling of perfect self-surrender, the conviction that nothing that happens is against us. A practic a practiculia, a practiculia. That Swamiji uses this term twice in the talk, right? Without definition. He gives his definition, and certainly he gives his definition, the idea that nothing's against us, right? And actually means, one of the meanings of prakti is like, we're invincible. There's no, nothing can, can harm us, right? We have no enemy, type of thing. There's no, nothing that, can, that can, can go against us, right? And it could be anything, oh, I'm so powerful. But actually this is different. This is a different type of feeling of invincibility, is that... Since God's God's doing everything, is everything anything that happens to me is God, nothing's hurting me, right? So even if somebody comes to to shoot you or kill you or steal from you, there's many examples of saints. You know, it's like a thief comes, uh, uh, and was it um, Papa Hari Baba, who some Vivekananda had tremendous respect for? Many of the disciples of Sri Ramakrishna saw Papa Hari Baba, where somebody broke into his kutir and stole something, right? Or, or no, stole the bread. And he said, I want to, um, uh, you forgot to, um, after him with butter, yeah, something like that. Somebody stole bread and he said, no, no, let me give you, you forgot, let me give you butter, something like this, right? Right, or there's a story of the Baal Shem Tov, where somebody broke in, I've told this story before many years ago, uh, it's in the traditional life of Baal Shem Tov, the great uh, Jewish mystic, the master of God's name, his name means, right? As uh, somebody came in, so, you know, the Torah is kept in, in a very, you know, ornate silver casing, very expensive thing. They're almost worshipped, you know. The, and somebody stole his, he saw somebody break into his house and still steal his Torah. And he ran after him saying, I give it to you, I give it to you, I give it to you. Right. So not only that, not thinking of the theme, but also thinking that he shouldn't have any sin. And going, so even the idea that nobody, no, not only is it not hurting me, it shouldn't hurt him. Right. Because the sin of stealing a Torah from a holy man probably is not a good, not a good idea. Right, but he got blessings. So, you know, so he's giving. So he's giving every, even those who are hurting you, you give blessings, or you see they're not hurting you. That's the other thing. That's that you're actually invincible. You're nothing can hurt you because every God, everything is doing. If God's, if God, if God kills you, that's blessing. In the Bhagavatam, every time God kills a demon, he's liberated. Right. So if God, you know, so actually God's doing everything. We have this vision. We see everything is God, and God's doing everything. Belongs to God, and God's doing everything. It changes everything. We're not scared of anything. We don't differentiate like this, you know. Then the loving soul is able to say, if pain comes, welcome pain. If misery come, it will say, welcome misery, you are also a form of my beloved. If a serpent comes, it will say, welcome serpent. If death comes, such a bhakta will welcome it with a smile. Blessed am I, that they all that they all come to me that they are all, and they are all, that they they are all welcome the bhakti in this state of perfect resignation arising out of intense love of god and to all to god and to all that are his ceases to distinguish between pleasure and pain insofar as they affect him 
So this is what Swamiji is saying. This is called surrender, right? Surrender to God means that God surrender. Surrender means you can do anything, right? I'm not fighting. We're we're usually trying to direct God. You know, our surrender is God do what I want, or our surrender is oh isn't it wonderful that what or any stupid thing that I want is God's will. That's the next <laughs> that thing. No, actually, whatever God does is God's will. Swami Shivananda he says oh this is a this is a dictum for bhaktas. O Lord, uh, uh, Thy will be done, right? Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Not you know he he, t- he repeat this again and again. Thy will be done. What does it mean? That not only like oh finally in, in right right now your will's not being done and we want your will to be done. That's 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 still a wrong idea, right? Actually, your will is being done. I don't see it. When I see you're doing everything already, your will's being done. It's not like finally your will's going to be done. <laughs> Can anybody go against God's will? You know, in in that sense, and this, this this maybe you can you can you can bring a theological moral argument on free will and you know, rejection of God. That's not what's being done. This is a this is the inner mood of a bhakta, right? To say that that you're you're will you do whatever you want, do whatever you don't, whatever you want, right? You, you, or to to uh, one of the lines in, in Ram Priyadas's new song uh, that he got from Swami uh, Gyanananda in in Dehradun, right? He says, "When do you surrender? When you're surrounded." Right, and, and uh, you know, it's like when when you realize that there's nothing you can do, and it's all your you, the, the enemy is everywhere. You say, okay, I give up. You do whatever, or you you whatever, right? And then Swamiji says, and before then, it's called treason. Right? <laughs> if you surrender before before you know, until then, you have to fight. <laughs> but then the thing is, the real realization we can't fake it, right? You know, it's like it, 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 it's true. You're fake. You know, when we really have that experience. This is this is the, this is a description. Uh, symptom description of, of this Padabhakti view. We've seen occasionally, I remember Swami Bhaskarananda and, and, and Ujjain, he has some health problems. So he says, he told me, he says, I tell them, these are his diseases, he says, you're welcome to stay here, you know, in, in my body, roommate. Please don't cause too much trouble, but you're welcome to stay here. <laughs> because he's also trying to use his body to serve God, but God sent this disease, so he have you know he accepts it. You know, it's like, right? Uh, 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 the in that state of perfect resignation arising out of intense love of God, and. T- Arising out of intense love of God and unto all that is His, ceases to distinguish between pleasure and pain, and in so far they affect Him. He does not know. No, He does not know what it is to complain of pain and misery. And this kind of uncomplaining resignation to the will of God, who is all love, is indeed a worthier acquisition than all the glory and of grand and heroic performances. To the vast majority of mankind, the body is everything. Let's talk about the, our problem right now. The body is all the universe to them. Bodily enjoyment is their all in all. This demon of the worship of the body and the things of the body has entered into all of us, into, into us all. We may indulge in tall talk and take very high flights, but we, we, but we are like, but, but we are like vultures all the same. Our mind is directed to the piece of carrion down below. So some, this is a he's quoting Sri Ramakrishna's example, right? He, Sri Ramakrishna was sometimes called he would he complain or criticize pundits, 
right? Intellectual, they can quote the scriptures and very high, the existence of philosophy and all the very, very high things, right? But they're, they're attached to their body, right? Which means no matter how high they go, like a vultures can go so, so high, but what are they looking at? They're so high, but they're looking down for dead and dying things, carrion. Right, they're birds of they're they're birds of carrion, carrion birds. Carrion, that's right. Yeah, carrion. Uh, uh. So so same thing. We can so we talk philosophy. We talk universal brotherhood, love of God, love of self, love, love of neighbor, love of brother, and all kinds of things about the, we're not the body and we're the self. And then there's only Brahman. The world doesn't exist. We can keep going, extracting either the 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 the, the pious uh, sentiments of religion and the philosophical abstractions of philosophy, like the, like this, but. If we're, but we think we're the body, and this body is everything, and and preserving the body, and the pleasure of the body is the goal of life. So no matter how we're like, so Swamiji says we're like vultures, flying high, and looking at a at, at a dead and dying things, the body. So he's comparing, you know, it's like this is a description of a of a Padabhakta's view of the world, and we have to be a little humble about <laughs> our perspective, you know, but there's hope. Why should our body be saved? Say, say, say from the tiger. Why, why, we, why may we not give it over to the tiger? The tiger will therefore be pleased, and that is all. This is not altogether so far, so very far from self-sacrifice and worship. Can you reach the realization of such an idea in which all sense of self is completely lost? It is a very dizzy, dizzy height, on the pinnacle of the religion of love. And few in this world have ever climbed up to it. But until a man reaches that highest point of ever-ready and ever-willing self-sacrifice, he cannot become a perfect bhakta. That's why it's to say, oh, bhakti yoga is easy. We have to know what's meant by that. Not easy. <laughs> it's relatively more natural. <laughs> That's what Samadhi says. Not easy. Right. We may all manage to maintain our bodies more or less satisfactory and for longer or shorter intervals of time. So this is so the fact that we, we, we're all trying and we're succeeding to take care of our bodies, keep ourselves alive, keep ourselves relatively healthy, right? And, and, and trying to live naturally. This is a natural tendency and instinct within the body to, 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 uh, to live long, healthy life, right? Nevertheless, our bodies have to go. There is no permanence about them. Blessed are they whose bodies get destroyed in the service of others. Wealth, and Swamiji is quoting here, wealth and even life itself, the sage always holds ready for the service of others. In this world, there being one thing certain, death, it is far better that this body dies in a good cause than in a bad one. Since we're going to die, we'll use this body for a good cause rather than, what's a bad cause? Our selfish behavior, right? And, you know, and so... So I mean, people can always say like like uh, the body that's the body is certain. So and then he'd say he'd tell the young men of Calcutta at the time they would gathered around them, the body is going to die, and we believe there'll be so many more bodies, right? You know, after this another body will come, right? So then this body is definitely going to go. Use this one to do something good, right? This is that was his encouragement. Use this one, realize God and serve God and all. The other bodies will come. Don't worry if you. Of course, if you do this properly, no more bodies will come. But, but, but so since, since it's going to go, let's do something good with it. Here's what I'm just saying: if it gets sacrificed for the good of the world, that's the highest use of it. You know. 
We may drag our life on for 50 years or 100 years, but after that, what is it that happens? Everything that is a result of combination must get dissolved and die. This is the verse from some traditional Sankhya, uh, uh, Sankhya verse. Anything that's, that's been put together will fall apart. Anything that's put together by parts will fall apart. Anything that's not put together by parts, that means the universal, unchanging, uncreated being, that lasts forever. So anything that's put together, this body is put together, this body will fall apart. This desk will be put together, this desk will fall apart, right? Uh, the, this iPhone was put together, the iPhone will fall apart. So it's, it's temporary. I, I'll be careful. We we'll, we'll try to take care of it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a droid. Oh. oh. This, I'm sorry, this droid. Samson? Samson. Also God. <laughs> Whoa. So, so truth is important. Austerity of the sage. Um, uh, um. Well, it may fall apart quicker, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't know. <clears throat> but, uh, but so, so being that's the case, everything is temporary, let's use it properly. Let's use it for the best use, right? Use it for God, use it for God. Either where we think we use it for sadhana, it's God-realization, use it for service, use it to, you know, let it be used this way and not be attached to it. Because it's, we should take care, once again, this is also his, we should also take it. Swamiji is being dramatic, Right, let it, let, if a tiger comes, feed yourself to the tiger. Right? Sri Ramakrishna also said, if a tiger comes, keep away, away from the tiger. Because right? the one who says, be careful of tigers, is also God. Right? You know, we have to also, this body is also, it's not, I mean, Swamiji is being rhetorical and, 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 and strong, you know, inspiring. <laughs> and throwing bombs in the audience, you know. I'm sure he was saying very, I've taken me, taken me an hour to, to slowly, he just, he spoke powerfully and fast and pounding his fist on the, uh, pacing back and forth and pounding the fist on the podium. He was a dramatic speaker, right? So he's making a big, big point. Not saying that we should feed ourselves to tigers, right? Uh, but eventually something's going to eat us, right? You know, either I hope maybe a tiger would be cool, actually. And that's kind of <laughs> nice, dramatic way to go. Most people die a little, you know, it's like, you know, the. Uh, but, you know, it says that insects will eat us, worms will eat us if we're buried. Fish will eat us, we're put in the water. You know, it's like the body, this body is going to be eaten by... So, so the idea is that, that, that it's inevitable. So let's, that, how do you, how do you uh, make the best possible use and not be attached to it? Everything that is a result of combination must get dissolved and die. There must and will come a time for it to be, for it to be decomposed. Jesus and Buddha and Muhammad are all dead. All the great prophets and teachers of the world are dead. Even they died. So that's happening to us too. In this everlasting world, where everything is falling to pieces, we have to make the highest use of what time we have, says the Bhakta. And really, the highest use of life is to hold it at the service of all beings. If this horrible body idea, it is this horrible body idea that breeds all the selfishness in the world, just this one delusion that we are wholly the body we own and that we must, by all possible means, try our very best to preserve and to please it. If you know that you are positively other than your body, you have, you ha you have then none to fight with or struggle against. You are dead to all ideas of selfishness. So the Bhakta declares that we... That we have a, 
to hold ourselves as if we are altogether dead to all the things of the world and that is indeed and that is indeed self surrender Actually, another thing I skipped a little bit that didn't bring out is Swami says that since everything is temporary, use it. Right? Swami, this is one of the places, but another place he says it more directly. I'm trying to, I thought it's been in my mind a few days when I read, oh, maybe this is it, but I think it may be even an idea that he repeats. But he says, since everything, is, everything will be taken away, right? Therefore, give it now. Right? So if you see, like, like, it's like, oh, this is a very precious book to me. I've had this book for so many years, right? But you see somebody, because it's so precious to me, if I give it to Ananda, you know, one of these days, of my cold, <laughs> literally, literally my cold, if I, if, I give it, if I give it, then it's so dear, he benefits from it. And if I'm attached to it, soon, I mean, walking to my, to, taking it preciously to my kutir, I get wet, and start molding and start decomposing. Right, today itself it can start to decompose. The minimum it's, it's going to be, it's, it's, when I die, either it's going to die or I'm going to die first. Right? But in, in, the, in the simple process of giving it to somebody, they benefit. And a love, ex, love has been exchanged. Right? People, and, it, and the more meaningful it is to me, the more meaningful the gift will be. Right? And it's, I can't hold on to it. It's, it's, it's going to be taken away from me. It's being taken away from me. So if something that's being taken away from you, give it away. So it's interesting, that same, another view of that Baal Shem, Tov, Baal Shem Tov story. Something was stolen, he says, I give it to you. <laughs> right? Therefore he, doesn't, he, gets, he gets the punya of giving it, not the pain of losing it. Right? You're going to lose everything, but if you give it, if you dedicate, everything that's being taken away, you, you give it, you dedicate it. And then it becomes uh, glorious rather than, than, than embarrassing and noble. We're not victims, we become, we become uh, uh, worshippers, not victims of the very processes of time and life. Doing good. It is, as how I read that. Uh, so the Bhakta desire declares that declares that oh, I read that too. This is the meaning of thy will be done. When we say thy will be done, this is what, what it's meant. Not going about fighting and struggling and thinking all the while that God wills all our own weakness and worldly ambitions. This is, we, we fight and struggle, right? And we think, oh, this is God's will. That, all, that, that my selfish desires and ambitions are satisfied. This is not surrender. The exact opposite. Surrender is whatever God does. I give it all and let, let God do it may be that good comes even out of our selfish struggle. That is, however, God's lookout. So even our selfish struggle, some good comes from that. So maybe, but so we shouldn't overly think that that's God's work. Let's, let's as God's business. The the perfected bhakta's idea must be we never never to will. Sorry, the perfected bhakta's idea must be never to will and work for himself. Lord, they build high temples in your name. They make large gifts in your name. I am poor. I have nothing. So I take this body of mine and place it at your feet. Do not give me up, O Lord. Such is a prayer proceeding out of the, proceeding out of the depth of the bhakta's heart. To him who has experienced it, this eternal sacrifice of the self into the beloved, into the beloved Lord is higher by far than all the wealth and power that even all soaring thoughts of renown and enjoyment. The peace of the bhaktas claim, 
sorry, the peace of the bhaktas, calm resignation, is a peace that passes all understanding. From Paul's letters, I think. Peace that passes all surpasses all understanding. And is of incomparable value. His apraptikulya is a state of the mind in which he has no interest and naturally knows nothing that is opposed to it. So uh, if that word we, we started to use is apraptikulya uh, is having no enemy or no, uh, nothing that can harm you. This is, comes from that. When, 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 this is a, the devotee's enemylessness is seeing everything as, 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 as surrendering to God. And, and, and nothing that nothing can oppose. In this state of sublime resignation, everything in the shape of attachment goes away completely, except that one all-absorbing love to Him, in whom all things live and move and have their being. This attachment of love to God, this attachment of love to God is indeed one that does not bind the soul, but effectively breaks all of its bondages. That's Swamiji's very beginning of the bhakti yoga is that usually love, attachment, these are things that we think are binding. But this type of attachment liberates. Right? And so I mean, bhakti yoga starts by taking all of our desires, all of our ambitions, all of our attachments, all of our emotions, and directing them to God, to Ishvara, the, the universal beyond the particular, to use this week's discussion. Right? And so then, then rather than binding, they lead to our blessedness. These, uh, that's what Swamiji is saying. Uh, there's a short section, I think we should, because next um, next week we can do the Triangle of Love in one sitting, I think, which is one of my favorites, and very important. So, uh, so I'll read the next section. <clears throat> it's entitled, The Higher Knowledge and the Higher Love are One to the True Lover. This is part of, this is Jnana, uh, Brahma Jnana, right, this, uh, which is called the Higher Love, and Padabhakti. So Padabhakti and, 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 and Brahma Jnana are considered the same. This is the idea. The Upanishads distinguish between the higher, a higher knowledge and the lower knowledge. And to the bhakta, there is really no difference between this higher knowledge and this higher love, para-bhakti. The Mundakya Upanishad says, in a long verse, which I won't, Swamiji translated, but I, I can't chant it, translates as, the no, what is it? You know the verse, though. What was it? The people's um, one... One, one, four. One... One four and one one five. One one four, one one five. All knowers of Brahman declare that there are two kinds of knowledge worthy to be known, namely, Pada, the higher, Padavidya, and the lower, Aparavidya. Of these, the lower knowledge consists of what's well, so both things are worthy of knowing: the lower knowledge and the higher knowledge. Not what's higher, lower knowledge. These are pretty good. Rigveda, Yajurveda, Samaveda, Tabaveda, the Shiksha, shiksha that's the science dealing with pronunciation and accent, the Kalpa or the sacrificial liturgy, grammar, the Nirukta or the science dealing with etymology and the meaning of words, prosody, the astronomy and the uh, and astronomy, and the higher knowledge is that by which the unchangeable is known. The lower knowledge is the scriptural knowledge. It's you could say it's science. It's uh, uh, grammar, things we go to school for, as well as religious, religious things. Even the, even the knowledge of the scripture is considered apada vidya, right? Uh, but apada vidya is not like, oh, apada is better. No, apada, these are things, these are our education. This is how we become cultured and educated and refined and, and, and able. But 
Paravidya, the supreme knowledge, is that by which the unchangeable is known, the universal. The higher knowledge is thus clearly shown to be the knowledge of Brahman. And the Devi Bhagavata gives us the following definitions of the higher love, Parabhakti. This is from the Devi, Bhagavata, Devi Gita, from the Devi Bhagavata, where the Devi herself is describing Bhakti Yoga. Uh, Bhakti yoga. The Himalayan, the gods, ask, ask, well, how do we attain your undifferentiated, continuous uh, vision? And she says, it's by, bhakti, by Parabhakti, and she describes, describing the Parabhakti. And so Swamiji quotes one line from this Parabhakti verse. Swamiji's translation is also good. It's actually uh, 712 of, 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 of the um, of Devi Gita, verse, chapter 7, verse 12. Swamiji's translation. As oil poured from one vessel to another falls in an unbroken line, so when the mind is an, unbroke, an unbroken stream, in an unbroken stream, thinks of the Lord, we have what is called Parabhakti, or supreme love. So actually, that's also this, that same image of, of, of oil, um, uh, unbroken stream of oil, is also given in the commentaries of Yoga Sutra, right, as a description of, 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 um, of um, dhyanam, right? Concentration is bringing the mind, trying to focus on one thing. When the concentration, the thought of the one thing becomes continuous, like, an, like a continuous stream of oil, like pouring oil was that, you know, that's considered to be the state of dhyana. And of course, in the Yoga Sutra, the state of dhyana leads... To the, to, to the distinction, the disappearing of the distinction between the object of meditation and the meditator. Actually, the trinity of the meditator, the object of meditation, meditation, and meditation, right? The thinker, the thought, and thinking. When, when the thought, when, the, when it becomes continuous, something called samyama, you get a, a unitive experience, almost like a samadhi, is the precursor to samadhi. So this is the samadhi experience, actually a unitive experience, transcending the distinctions of duality, or, or, the, or trinity in the sense, right? So, but that's Devi Gita, and Swamiji is quoting out of all verses, he quotes that verse and Devi, from Devi Gita. Devi Gita, that's called Parabhakti. The, when the thought of God becomes continuous, right? Of course, we, by practice, we try to think of God, we do our japa, we do our puja, contemplation, prayer, meditation. But, but, when, but when it becomes continuous, it only becomes continuous when the object of meditation is so wonderful, right? And our love for it is so great, we cannot not think of it. It's not an act of will, like, oh, I have to think, I have to think, concentrate, 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 oh, concentrate, concentrate. That's called, called meditation, right? You know, darn it. No. Concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to keep the thought going repetitive and holding the thought longer and longer and, and maybe little glimpses of that. But when, lo- when, 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 when the love of God is so extreme and God is so attractive and we're so attractive, we cannot not, we cannot not think of God, right? Just like, it's, so it's not just in a state of, he's not describing meditation, Actually, in the Devi Gita, this verse is not describing meditation, it's describing parabhakti. Right? So it's not just a state of trying to transcend, trying to concentrate, to reach samyama and these, these meditative experiences. This is the whole life. The mind never forgets God. That's called parabhakti. Right? And in, um, uh, in, in, the, in the Devi Gita, there's a famous... Uh, oh, and in the, in the, um, the same idea is given, a beautiful, uh, uh, in, in, um, in Kapila Gita. We're working on the, these verses, Kapila Muni speaking, teaching Devahuti in the, in the Srimad Bhagavatam. And, and, uh, these five main chapters called Kapila Gita. Where he describes, he uses a different, rather than using uh, unbroken, he says, it's like the continuous river, a river continuously joining the ocean. It's even more liberating, ecstatic, 
unitive experience, right? But it's not like the river finally reaches the ocean, right? The river is continuously reaching the ocean. The con river is continuously flowing to the ocean, right? Especially if it's raining. If it rains in California, we don't think of this anymore because none of our rivers flow, and the few big ones don't even reach the ocean anymore. So it's, <laughs> we've lost the poetic meaning of, of rivers and ocean, you know. But actually, the, the, the continuous river meeting the ocean—that is, that's uh, in described Padabhakti by Kapila, using the same image, but a new same idea, but even better. It's not just continuous; it's continuous joining, flowing, rushing towards to, to embrace. But it doesn't lose itself. The river, you can say, oh, it loses itself in the ocean. The river continues. The continues the, the existence of the river is is defined as something continuously rushing towards the ocean, right? The, the Padabhakta always thinks of God, always is flowing towards God. That's Padabhakti. Hmm. Th this kind of undisturbed and ever steady devotion of the mind and heart to the Lord, which is inseparable which is an inseparable attachment, is indeed the highest manifestation of man's love of God. Ah, all other forms of bhakti are all preparatory to the attainment of this highest form. Therefore, the pada bhakti, there, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, all other forms of bhakti are only preparatory to the attainment of this highest form thereof. The pada bhakti, which is known, also known as the love that comes after attachment. That's ragaba, raganuga bhakti. That's we used that term earlier. This is a technical term. Raganuga, raganuga bhakti. The devotion that comes from extreme attachment. This is a high. This is considered. We can't even. We we meditate upon these things. We only and we see that in some of the greatest saints. This example. Uh, we celebrated yesterday. Gorni, uh, Gorpani, Lord, Lord Chaitanya, his disciples. They spoke on this and they demonstrated this. This pada bhakti. This uh, raganuga bhakti. Everything else is vaidhi bhakti, preparatory. According to sadhana, everything else is sadhana bhakti. We do devotion. Out of devotion, we do sadhana so we can get pada bhakti. So our, the, the continuous flow of thought towards God or raganuga bhakti. When this supreme love once comes into the heart of man, his mind will continuously think of God and remember nothing else. He will give no room in himself of thoughts other than those of God, and his soul will be unconquerably pure and, and will alone break all the bonds of mind and matter and become serenely free. He alone can worship the Lord in his own heart. To him, forms, symbols, books, and doctrines are all unnecessary and are incapable of proving serviceable in any way. We hold books, forms, and, and doctrines, right, as, as, as our support towards our spiritual life. But to somebody who's already thinking of God continuously, these things no longer matter. Sri Ramakrishna would sing a song like the Sandhya prayers, which we chant, People chant, millions of people, every day at the sunrise, noon, and sunset. They chant Gayatri and they do some rituals. Right? He said, but one who always thinks of God, what is the need of the Sandhya? The purpose of Sandhya is to train ourselves to think of God. When love of God awakens, he says, the, the song says, that the, 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 the deities of the Sandhya and the practice of Sandhya chase after that devotee. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to practice it. They, they run after that devotee. Right? What's the other one? That's one song. It says, "If if God is worshipped with love, what's the what's the use of what's the use of the Sandhya prayers? And if God isn't worshipped with love, what's the what's the use of the Sandhya prayers? Right? If the Sandhya prayers aren't done out of love. What's their value? And if they don't, and once you have love of God, what's the, what's their use also?" Hmm. 
He alone can worship the Lord in his own heart. To him, forms, symbols, books, and doctrines are all necessary and are incapable of proving serviceable in any way. It is not easy to love the Lord thus. Ordinarily, human, human love is seen to flourish only in places where it is returned. Right? We only love who loves us back in human. That's called human. That could be the next chapter in the triangle of love. Swamiji will talk about that. Right? Where love is not returned for love, cold indifference is the natural result. There are, however, rare instances in which we may notice love exhibiting itself even where there is no return of love. We may compare this kind of love for the purpose of illustration to the love of a moth for the fire. The insect loves the fire, falls into it, and dies. It is indeed in the nature of this insect to love so. To love because it is the nature of love to love is undeniably the highest and the most unselfish manifestation of love that may be seen in this world. We see glimpses of this in, a mo- in the love of a mother to the child. Right? Of course, the mother, there is some tinge of selfishness, expectation, and, 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 and a return service. And, and return. But still, a certain, still, even if the, if the child's rebelling, even the child, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, the mother still, it's, it's a do, some, something, there's some, that's why mother's love is given, the symbol is, is the highest love, but the, the, in the scripture, the highest example is that of the gopis. Right, uh, the gopis love Krishna not because some gopis love Krishna because they wanted pleasure from Krishna, right? But the highest gopis that we that we sing their praises to this day love Krishna because they want their love means they want Krishna to be happy, right? Not their own happiness. Unselfish love, such love working itself out on the plane of spirituality, necessarily leads to the attainment of para bhakti. So we'll end there. It's almost time. <clears throat> thing I wanted to don't turn off quite yet. One second. Hmm. So this is the the. Uh, Swamiji is actually, it's a very, like I said, small book, big ideas. Because what he's doing, he's describing, he's describing para-bhakti, right? Uh, this higher points. And so we, we, we use this word love, we use the word devotion, and, 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 and without full knowledge. Uh, and so the, the benefit of a little bit of the study, sometimes, of course, one quality of a devotee is that he's not interested in any of this. All this is not, is not really, to somebody who's living it, all this is just... It's also, yes, chatter. It's you know, but there's a benefit of it because one of the we we discussed many times, and I quote from Swami Paramananda, right? And he says the the purpose of philosophy is not to reveal truth, it's to remove error, right? To remove mistakes in thinking and reasoning and language, like the the purpose of philosophy, classical philosophy, right? And Vedanta is the same thing. Vedantic reasoning is not does not reveal the truth. The truth is revealed as an act of grace, either from above or from within. Right, uh, so devotion also, but so there's a benefit of um, uh, some philosophical thinking about these things in order to clarify our own, you know, uh, to show us the possible goal, what's possible, but also to to reveal where you know we read these things and we're like, ooh, (laughs) there are little pinches here and there. We realize that we've made mistakes or we're, you know. And there's all kinds of little things that happen in spiritual life. You know, I 
may have quoted this before, maybe in satsang or not, at least privately with people. We knew somebody who was who was chanting japa, uh, chanting Mahamantra japa for many many years, doing her proper rounds, and then she had a big realization, like a big but a painful realization. It was like a, like a, a pop, right? It says that the whole time I'm chanting because I want to, it gives me pleasure and I want to concentrate my mind. I want to I want to experience the bliss of meditation and like this, right? And she's getting some of that, right? But she said, "Oh my God, that itself is selfish, right? I should be chanting to please Krishna." Right, that very single thing, I'm chanting to benefit me. Right, it's like that. It's something so simple, but it, at a at a certain point, she she had there, and, and so these hearing about these things and realize we like we realize well, even our own spiritual life, there's all kinds of little subtle selfish niches that we need to to uh, uh, wash and let the let uh, let our sadhanas take us to that stage next. So some benefit also to reading. Uh, uh, the thing, and then, then, and in, in the Kapila Gita, which Swamiji, which I just quoted a little while ago, it also says that uh, by gathering with holy people, we we hear these spiritual truths, stories of the of the saints and and, and the Lord, and these spiritual truths, right? And he says that by by such hearing, right, what happens is that first is this, and then he said, these things develop stage by stage. First is shraddha, faith. And my shraddha is not just faith in God, but faith in the spiritual process of devotion, right? And so then when faith develops, then we have rati, and we get delight or taste in spiritual, in, 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 the, in devotional, in, from God. And then we get bhakti, right? The final stage is bhakti and prem, right? That, so we, we go through by hearing these things again and again in holy company. That's the value of holy company, he says, is we, in holy company we hear about these things. And we hear about these things, our faith becomes firm, then we then from that we develop taste, and then from taste comes, hopefully, blossom devotion. And they will read from that text again after many years. Thank you for your kind attention. Any in thirty seconds? Any question? Any question? <laughs> uh huh. Tell me. Mm. And he was um, promoting his book of longing, which was his home. So in the question and answer session, the lady asked him, well, you know, aren't you, you know, tired of longing? Don't you want to trade it in for something like maybe fulfillment? <laughs> and he answered very quickly, he said, hmm, what does fulfillment have to offer? Huh? That's a class. That's yeah. a that's a great little <laughs> a new sutra from Leonard Cohen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's one of the greats for sure, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we talked last time, even that um uh, last week, about these the pain that comes from separation from God, yeah. also, right? Yeah. You know that that gets that that, that that's actually considered. Can't say higher than 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 fulfillment, but it's. It, it comes out of, you know, like once you're fulfilled, then you, only then you know what to long for. Once you've tasted it, then you only know how much longing increases infinitely. Right? Right now we, we're supposed to have longing for something we've never experienced. From experience comes real longing. You know, we can't otherwise, you know, like, we, until then, what is it? We hear about it and we develop a little bit of faith. Oh, maybe this is good. You know, but until we get the actual taste, rati, then bhakti starts. 
Right? So the longing for God starts after one gets a little bit of taste of God. Okay, Haryom Tatsat, up to that. That's all he says. Up to that tonight.